Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Calm down. Someone escort him out if he's young. Um, my name is Michael Ballard. I'm the student ministries director here at Foundation Church. And uh, that's right. Um, I hope, I don't know what you're yelling for there, but I appreciate it. Anyway, I'll just take that as a compliment. Pastor Justin and the team are getting back from Kenya this afternoon. I did a head count before mingle time um, because I did mention that Pastor Justin is not here. And if we don't have exactly the same amount of people in this building uh, from, I'm going to be personally offended. Um, I'll just assume you're watching online. But we have a couple things real quick that I want to talk about before we hop into our second week of our series before the manger. Uh, Casey mentioned something on the announcement video about camp for Christmas. I'm not a planner, um, and I don't understand people that like to plan things out in advance, but I understand there are people like that. Um, And so because of that, FC kids and FC students have already put on the calendar the camps for next summer. FC Kids, which I believe applies to second through fifth graders, are going back to Eagle Rock June 24th through the 27th. And uh, FC Students, which is sixth through 12th grade, are going to Big Stuff Beach Camp in Panama City Beach July 10th through the 15th. If you're an adult, no, you cannot volunteer to go to the beach unless you come on Wednesday nights to volunteer. So there, you can't just like show up and be like, I'm here to go to the beach. I'm like, I don't know you. You're weird. Um, but, but before I get too off topic, um, we, we are doing camp for Christmas because I understand that uh, a couple things. One, that, that paying for camp all at front, all at one time can be expensive. And so we have given you plenty of time to pay uh, per month, per week, however you wanna do it to help offset some of that cost. But also maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're an aunt or an uncle, or maybe you're just someone who says, I wanna invest in the next generation. Um, check out, think about doing camp for Christmas. You know, think about investing in the lives of a student because uh, I outgrew all the clothes that I got when I was 12. Believe it or not, I'm not the same size I was when I was 12 years old. Um, I outgrew those clothes. I don't remember all the toys that I got, but I do remember the camp experiences. And I'm not just saying that um, to try to somehow manipulate you guys. I do remember the camp experiences that I had growing up. And we had uh, several people from last year and the year before say that going to, to Panama City Beach, yes, it's awesome, but the camp experience was one of the best weeks of their lives. It is worth it. Think about doing camp for Christmas. Um, you can give. We've got tables set up out in the lobby for information if you need that. The second thing is this. We are starting a new service, a third service in January. Um, yes, let's get excited because 
God is doing some awesome things here. And so we want to provide on-ramps for people to experience Jesus. And so we're adding a third service, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Think about uh, starting a new tradition with your family, going to breakfast early, and then coming to the third service. If you are not serving, think about getting plugged in somewhere. Um, there are awesome opportunities all around, and we're excited what God is going to do and continue to see growth happen at Foundations Church um, because we're opening up this new service. So let's get into our second week of Before the Manger. Um, if you didn't miss the message last week, go watch it on YouTube. Let's do it on iTunes. It's a great message. I know it spoke to Aubrey and I. Uh, we talked to several other people, and they're like, man, that hit home. That was good. That like made me, and someone was like, why are you always preaching at me, Justin? So it's one of those messages for sure. But today we are in our second week of Before the Manger. And so guess what we're talking about? Before the Manger, okay? And so we're going to start about nine months before the Manger in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 33. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 33. It says this, says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So about nine months before the manger. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a man. And according to society, you're not supposed to assume that, but that's what I am. And I, as a man, I have never seen a Hallmark movie. And I am proud to stand by that fact. I see some guys like, yes, come keep it coming. Uh, it's just beginning, guys. I'm about to, about to either win you some points or make a really uncomfortable drive home. But I have never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. And I'm under the impression they are releasing like 2,700 new ones this December or something, or like roughly. Um, and I know there are some of you uh, who plan on watching them. Now, if you're a guy and you're like, I love Hallmark movies, um, the Bible says even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Don't tell me that. I don't want to know if you enjoy Hallmark movies. I'll just, I'll just assume we're bros and we're on the same page and we'll high-five each other as you leave, okay? But I think it caters mostly to the female demographic. So... I know there are some of you that are like, I've watched everyone and I plan on watching everyone this Christmas season. I will pray for peace over your household. I've never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie. But I'm assuming that if this, I'm gonna make a broad assumption here and if you wanna get offended, write all of your uh, angry letters to Greg Fisher at Foundations Church. Um, they'll go to the right place, I promise you. But I have, uh, if this verse if this story were a Hallmark movie, and maybe it is, I've never seen one. So you're like, oh, Michael, you're being redundant right now. Good for me. I've never seen it. Just proves the point. I've never seen a Hallmark movie. Anyway, but if it were, I would assume it would start with this verse. And Mary would be like having this experience with the angel. She's like, oh, my gosh, she's beautiful, right? What's going on? And then there would be a montage of Mary growing in her pregnancy, right? She's at the store. She's having coffee with her friends because that's what they did in uh, Israel 2,000 years ago. They had Starbucks even then. And she's like growing. And her friend's like, Mary, you're waiting. She's like, it's the Lord, right? And, um, <laughs> and 
the problem, the, the tension in the Hallmark Jesus movie would come where they try to find a room, but there's no room for him in the inn. She's like, what are we gonna do? My, my, my doctor's not here, I'm out of town, what's gonna happen? And so Joseph's like, it's okay, and he kisses her on the forehead and the music plays. And then they find a room, Jesus is born, Mary's makeup is still perfect, and Silent Night plays, close scene, roll credits. That Hallmark, Hallmark movie goes pretty much, I think so. But that's how this would go. But a lot is missing between Luke chapter one, verse 26 and 33, to Luke chapter two, verse one, when we see Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem, when Mary's in her third trimester of pregnancy, traveling 90 miles, not on a turnpike, right? Not on a paved road, but 90 miles from Nazareth to Galilee, a, a trail that's, that's dangerous. They've gotta watch out for wildlife. They have to stop every 20 minutes because Jesus is on Mary's bladder. So it takes a while to get there. It takes a while to get there. Now, average, that trip should take about four to five days. They, they travel about 20 miles a day, it should take around four to five days. But because of Mary's pregnancy, because uh, of the terrain, because of the breaks they're gonna have to take, um, it's gonna take probably a week to a week and a half to make that trip. You know what else is missing in that whole story is the nine months of pregnancy. I have heard Obviously, I don't have what people call childbearing hips, so I've never had a kid um, for multiple reasons, but that being the main one. Um, although Arnold Schwarzenegger did do it in his greatest cinematic feat, Junior. But um, I've heard that carrying a child's uncomfortable. I've heard that it's difficult. Um, I've heard that the labor is difficult. Not the labor where it's like, I don't want to feel anything from like my eyebrows down. Not that labor, but like the natural childbirth is pretty painful. However, my mom, who has had three beautiful children, obviously, um, she told me on multiple occasions there is nothing worse than a paper cut. That's her words, nothing worse than a paper cut. She was here first service. If you have any angry letters, you can write to her at Greg Fisher at Foundation Church. <laughs> She'll get them, I promise. Um, but. She said they're nothing worse than paper cut. You know what I've done? I've stepped on a Lego barefoot. Thank you. I have stubbed my toe in the middle of the night and you go, right? You keep all the bad words that you're not supposed to say in your brain. If they don't come out, it's not a sin, right? That's what, like, I've experienced pain. But according to my mom, who's had three kids, said there's nothing worse than paper cut. So I'm just using her. This is scientific evidence that from, from my mom, that there's nothing worse than paper cut. So when people say that labor is tough and it's painful, I'm like, I've had a paper cut, so you can make it through this, right? Um, quit crying, I don't know, whatever. Um, there, is, there was a lot of pain that Mary had to experience before the promise of Jesus was being held in her arms. There were the nine months of actually carrying the child. There was the, the week to week and a half of traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and there are the hours of delivery that were painful. She had to experience some pain before the promise was realized. And this idea of having to experience pain before a promise is realized is nothing new. You see it play out throughout the Old Testament. You see people experience pain before a promise. Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says this, 
And before this, and this is in context, he's talking about when the kingdom of heaven will be revealed, right? When he is going to return, he's telling his disciples that you are going to have to go through a lot of things. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. A lot of difficult things. And he wraps it up in John 16, 33 by saying this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, when I read that verse, when I read that word trials, I think of something that happened a couple of days ago. I woke up and I had a little scratch in the back of my throat and I was like, oh no, I know inevitably what's going to happen. I'm gonna wake up the next day, my nose is gonna be stopped up, I'm gonna be coughing, right? Like it's just gonna progress to this cold that I have now. Um, some of us think like that's a trial. Some of us think like some financial struggles is a trial. Some of, like if I were like, man, my boss is being a jerk, um, that would... Not my boss, I love Justin. Let me just clarify that. That would be super awkward if I was like, Justin is just the worst, right? He's not, I'm just being, this is just in general, right? We think of problems at work as trials, and they are, they're inconveniences, they're difficulties, but when Jesus says trial in that phrase, in that verse, what he is meaning, the actual word means affliction, it means suffering, it means tribulation, it, it, it means anguish. Not just mere inconveniences, but pain. And Jesus is saying, hey, you are going to experience severe pain. You are going to experience severe sorrow and loss and trouble and difficulties. But I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. So this idea of there being pain before the promise, the idea of being pain before you see your dream fulfilled is not something that we as followers of Christ are exempt from. It's something that Jesus actually says is going to happen to us. So what's the point of pain? Why do we have to experience it? What's it good for? And the first thing I would say this is that pain births perseverance. Pain births perseverance. Now, um, my wife and I have a saying in our home um, that we just started this year, and it's tis the season. You're like, everyone says that, Michael, but here's the thing. Um, it's not just tis the season for Christmas like or anything like that. Um, if we want to justify eating anything unhealthy, We'll just go, tis the season, right? Like, if it's like, hey, I want to get it, try it. it it's fantastic. It, like, if she's like, hey, I really want some ice cream, and I'm just like, tis the season. She's like, tis the season, right? Ice cream all around. So, so now may not be the best time to be talking about this, but I try on a daily routine to get up early in the morning and go to the gym. Um, and, I'm, and I'm able to do that because uh, tis the season, right? That's what I was keeping in mind, tis the season. But um, when my alarm goes off, at like 5.30 or whatever time it goes off, you know what looks like the most beautiful thing in the world is that snooze button, right? That snooze button is so attractive at 5.30 in the morning. You're probably thinking, what kind of phone do you have? Like it's, calm down. Um, it's just so easy to, act, to, to access, right? You can hit the button. You can press any of the little buttons on the side of my phone to turn the snooze on. It's like, I won't, I'll leave you alone for nine minutes, right? Like, and I just get to go back to sleep. But the right thing to do is to get up so I can go to the gym and I can leave. You know what's not easy at the gym? Actually working out. Like actually doing the work. It's not easy. It's difficult. I don't like it. When I first started working out again, the next day, my body made a very, very compelling argument to never work out again. I was like, it's like it hurts to breathe. I can't do anything, right? But the more that I push through the pain, the more endurance you build up, the more endurance I built up, built up and it got, it got easier. The truth is, you are never going to grow where you are comfortable. 
You're, you're never gonna grow where you're comfortable. This isn't just a, a rule like in the gym where you're like, no pain, no gain, right? It's not one of those things. It's true in life. Wherever you're comfortable, you are not going to grow. You know what's super comfortable to do is to throw on the office and binge watch all 10 seasons of it. But guess what? I'm not going to grow mentally, physically, right? I'm not gonna do anything that's beneficial to my life. I'm not gonna grow in my relationship with my wife if the moment I walk home or walk in the door um, from work, if I, if I just sit on the couch and just get on my phone and just surf the web for six hours and I go to bed, wake up, work, come home, repeat. Man, the, the easy thing is rarely the right thing or the best thing for us. And the easy thing to do in the middle of pain is to give up. But that's not the best thing. Pain births perseverance in our lives. Pain births a perseverance that keeps us going, even when we don't think we can. Man, my wife and I lead a connect group, and we've been leading it for about three years. And we lead a connect group for young couples, and it was initially young couples, now it's like young-ish couples. Some of them have kids. Um, Aubrey and I are coming up on 10 years of marriage and we have people that are like 10 to 12 years younger than us. So I'm like, hmm, I'm not so young anymore, right? Like when I sneeze and I hurt my neck, I didn't do that when I was 18. Like that's like, the moment you can like do a body function and hurt, pull a muscle, like you're like, I'm not young anymore. Um, you can use your imagination on that one. But um, so we're young-ish. And when we first started leading the Connect Group, it wasn't our favorite thing to do. Right, wondering if anyone's gonna show up, trying to plan for enough people to feed or whatever. The only thing that kept us going in that moment was knowing we had a dedicated night of the week where we'd clean our house. There you go. That's like the one, probably terrible motivation, but if you're looking to lead a connect group, just know that if you lead a connect group, there will be one night every week where your house will be clean. Um, and there were times where we wanted to quit. There were times where we were like, all right, connect group started at 5.30, it's 5.53, no one's here, shut the door, lock the window, turn off the lights, we made it, like we made it, no one's here, we get a night to ourselves. But guess what? The longer we kept at it, the more people showed up, the deeper relationships, the deeper friendships that we built through that, and because of that, doing our connect group is one of our favorite things that we get to do. And we would have missed out on those friendships. We would have missed out on, on that whole thing that we're better together. It's not something that we just say we really believe it. We would have missed out on that if we would have given up. Giving up in the middle of something that's uncomfortable, getting, giving up in the middle of pain is easy, but it's not the right thing to do. And it's definitely not the best thing to do. Book of James chapter one, verses two through four says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So you go through pain, you know what that births? It births perseverance. And these lights are super bright, and I'm trying to get a good look at everyone, and from what I can see, everyone out there has survived their worst day so far. Just think about it, you're like, wait, what? You survived your worst day so far, you're here. You're breathing, you're sitting in this room, you survived your worst day so far. You know what the Bible tells us to do is to keep producing or keep enjoying that, keep finding joy in that because through that joy, God's got something on the other side of that pain. 
There is something that if you don't give up now, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your, your, your pain, if you don't give up, there's a, there's a you, like a diamond that's created under pressure, there's a you that has a story. And that story is one of God's faithfulness, one of God's strength carrying you through, but it's only experienced and realized if you don't give up. If you let your endurance grow. You've got to... You've got to endure the pain because it creates in you something that the Bible says is complete and mature, not lacking anything. Complete and mature, not lacking anything. If pain births perseverance, then what does perseverance do? The second thing is this, perseverance carries us to the promise. Perseverance, perseverance carries us through to the promise. I mentioned it earlier, but you've got um, all throughout the Old Testament leading up to Jesus, um, you've got uh, Abraham. God told him that he would be the father of a nation. Guess what? He only saw just the beginning of that promise fulfilled, but he didn't give up. He persevered. Because he persevered and he didn't give up, eventually you see, you see Joseph, who is thrown into a pit, who is sold into slavery, who has served time in jail, who perseveres through it all and is eventually put in charge and second in command of Egypt. And because he's second in command of Egypt, he's able to bring his family in under the safety um, that they have during the time of a great famine. Because he persevered through that and because his family's in there, they start to grow and multiply and become more powerful. But then... They're thrown into slavery, and they persevere through that time. But guess what? Because they've persevered and haven't turned their backs completely on God, God raises up someone to deliver them from that time. And because we could go, I could, this, this could be an Old Testament history of people persevering through pain and eventually God creating or God coming through on his promise. But the thing is, it happens time and time again, and every time I see people experiencing pain, enduring through the pain, and realizing God's promise at the end. Perseverance carries us to the promise. A couple weeks ago, there were thousands of crazy people running the Route 66 marathon. Now, this isn't like a thousands of people where it's like a couple days ago, and it was really like 17 years ago. Um, this is like an actual thousands of people because I was like, I want to be honest with you guys. I want you guys to trust me. So I went to the Route 66 marathon results and looked at like the men's, women's, and the, the uh, marathon relay. So I was like, let me start with the men and see how many men were running this. And so I was like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And when I got to like 1,147th place, I was like, okay, there's thousands of people running this race. So I don't have to go any further or do any more research, right? So thousands of people are running in this 35 degree weather, wind chill in the 20s. They're running this race. And the people that finished, I would bet that the people that finished did some sort of training for this race. Did some sort of training. And because they trained, they built up endurance. And because they built up endurance, they were able to cross the finish line and get their little medal or their little bumper sticker that says 26.2 or whatever. And I'm like, congratulations. My bumper sticker says 0.0 because I've never ran a marathon. Yes, winning, right? Um, like, I don't need one of those. Um, thank you. Um, right, because they trained, because they pushed through that pain, because they endured, they were able to cross the finish line. And here's the thing, endurance doesn't give us some magical ability to, to ignore, to be numb to pain. It's not like, yeah, I have endurance, I feel no pain whatsoever. I'm a superhero, I'm gonna go rob a bank, right? I don't know, wait, no, that's not what superheroes do. That's, I'm gonna stop a bank robbery. Um, and guess what? Following Jesus, being a, being a Christian, being a Christ follower doesn't exempt us from pain either. 
Like it, it doesn't, Jesus isn't like, hey, I'm gonna lift you up above this pain. You're never gonna have to experience suffering or anything. No, no, no. Jesus said, in this world, you will go through trials and sorrows. But guess what? I'm stronger than those. I'm bigger than those. Persevering through that pain allows you to tap into God's strength when you're tapped out. It allows you to tap in and say, God, I can't go any further. And he says, you can have my strength to continue to endure. Romans chapter five, verse three through five says this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. There's that thing again. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I don't know about you, but when I run into problems and trials, I, rejoicing is not something that comes to mind. But why can we rejoice? It says, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And what does endurance do? It develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappoint, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Can you go back to that, uh, that phrase, the strength of character? Yeah, see where it says strength of character? That, that phrase in the original Greek is a word that I can't pronounce, but I know what it means. Um, and it means this, and then I'll read it for you. It refers to the characteristic of someone who is not swayed in their deliberate purpose and stays loyal to their faith even in the midst of great trials and suffering. It's not just like they're a person of great character. No, no, it's something much, much deeper that when you go through trials and sufferings, your character is not swayed because you are on a purpose. You have a purpose. Your faith is not swayed. No matter what's going around you, when you endure, you develop characteristics and the ability to keep going on even in the face of trials and sorrows and suffering. Man, I, I don't know about you. I don't think anyone in here would be like, I enjoy pain, right? If you do, you're weird and come down for prayer later. But um, I don't think any of us like pain. But I think pain is a lot more... Um, you're able to endure it a lot more if you know when, the, when it's going to end. If someone were to say, Michael, you're gonna have the worst 20, you're gonna have the worst year of your life in 2019, but in 2020, you're gonna have by far, blow, blow everything out of the water, you're gonna have the best year of your life. So 2019, let me get this straight, 2019 is gonna be the worst year of my life. Just gonna be one year. In 2020, everything's gonna be like fantastic. You're gonna hit the lottery four times, right? That's, yes, okay, I can make it through 2019. If we know there's a time frame on our pain, it makes it a lot easier, right? It doesn't mean the pain is gone, but you're like, all right, March rolls around, I got, I got nine more months, right? June rolls around, I got six more months. December, it's like, I got 31 days left of this terrible year. But guess what? Whenever there's an open-ended timeline on our pain, when there's no deadline, when it's not like, hey, this is going to end on this date, it makes it almost unbearable. You're praying, God, when is this going to end? And you get no answer. It makes pain so much more difficult. Man, and I wish that I could say, hey, we've got 29 days left in December. 2019, new year, new you, praise God, right? Like, that's what we all wanna believe. New year, new me, is it? Like, what, what stopped the moment the clock turned around and the ball dropped? Like, rarely our timeline lines up with God's timeline. And I, I pray that 2019 is your best year, but what if some of the problems from 2018 carry over to 2019? and you don't see an end in sight. What then? Now, I know this, this message, a lot of times we're like, I wanna leave pumped up, ready to go. Yeah, hallelujah. Um, this may not be the message, and if it's your first time here, come back next week, I hope it's better. Um, 
but, but in July, um, Aubrey and I started, uh, started fertility treatments. And this wasn't something, and if this is too much information on you, feel free to check out um, right now, but bring it back in later. But we started for fertility treatments, and it's not something that we, it's like we'd been trying to have kids, and we're like, we gotta go through this. We, we knew we were gonna have to go through this process eventually just because of some complications she'd had at birth. Um, and so this is gonna be like the safest route for us to go um, to avoid really any physical, like serious physical problems with Aubrey. And so um, we're thinking, hey, we're gonna go through this once, we're gonna have a kid, we'll adopt, everything will be good, um, and then we'll have like the Ballard Bunch, and we'll start a show on TLC, it'll be fantastic. I already have the rights to it, right? So it's gonna be awesome. So we start that in July, and, uh, and so we go through the shots, we go through the treatments, the, the doctor's appointments, all that stuff like that. And the doctor's like, your body's not really responding the way it's supposed to. We're going to have to like shut this one down. Okay, bummer, setback, right? He's like, we'll try again and uh, we'll just see if your body responds differently. So that was disappointing, right? That was frustrating. But we're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to go again. And so... Um, up to that point, we had seen God, we knew we were gonna do this, so we had saved and planned and all these things, and we'd seen God answer like prayer after prayer after prayer, and it's like, cool, this is lining up. This is what is supposed to happen, right? This is what's supposed to happen. And, um, and so we start the treatments again in September, and uh, we're going through it, and everything's responding well. He's like, hey, we're gonna go through the procedure. We're gonna harvest the eggs. Everything will be great. And so we get... An embryo, we get like the potential, we get um, like a future little baby Ballard and everything looks good. And so after doing some testing, the doc's like, hey, we've, we've got some bad news. Um, even if you were to implant this, it would result in a miscarriage. And I put this on Facebook because that's what you do now, right? You put your deepest, darkest feelings and secrets on Facebook. But um, I put this on Facebook um, and, I, and I told some other people that had been praying for us and Man, there were some really, really well-meaning people that were praying for us, and it's awesome. But you know what I don't get is I don't get when you're praying for something that seems to line up with God's word when it's not answered. Now, I've prayed some really dumb prayers in the past. Uh, I will readily admit that. When I would get in trouble at school, I'd pray, Jesus, please don't let my dad find out. And then my mom would pick me up and my teacher would tell my mom, I'm like, mom, do we have to tell dad? And she's like, no. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, right? To answer prayer, right? Um, when I was in high school, I prayed that I'd be able to dunk a basketball. Both of my parents are under 6'10". I was overweight and still white. And um, <laughs> guess what? I uh, was never able to dunk a basketball. And I was like, God, but if I can dunk a basketball when the reporters ask me how I did it, I'll tell them it was all for your glory and like mass people will come to know you because of my superior athletic ability. That never happened. And guess what? I understand now. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Why would that happen? But I know people that have prayed for people to be healed. The Bible's like, man, the Bible says that Jesus took those stripes on his back for our healing, it says that if we lay hands on the sick, they'll be healed. The Bible says that, that children are a blessing from the Lord, right? We weren't praying to win the lottery. We were praying for something that seemed to line up with the word of God, but it didn't happen. And I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand why, why those prayers aren't answered. And I wish I had the answer. I wish I had just a solid answer that anytime someone's like, why isn't my prayer answered? And I'd be like, here you go, here's the answer. But I don't. 
Proverbs 13, 12 says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some translations of that read like when hope is crushed. When your dream is crushed, when that light at the end of the tunnel is snuffed out, when what you've been hoping for doesn't happen, it makes the heart sick. Maybe that's some of you guys in here. You've been hoping and praying and waiting and wishing, and it seems like the hope is crushed. But it goes on to say that when a dream is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. When a dream is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. It makes it all worth it. I wish I could put a timeline on the pain that maybe some of you are experiencing. I wish I could put, like say, hey, this is the end date, but I can't, and you can't. I wish I could, I wish I could know when, when what Auburn I've been praying for, I wish I could know uh, when that is gonna become a reality, but I don't know. Man, I, I can't put a timeline on it, but what I can tell you is this is that when you experience pain to continue to endure, continue to persevere. Why? Because through that perseverance, God builds up a spiritual maturity in your life. He builds up characteristics in your life that the Bible says makes you complete and mature, not lacking anything. I don't know what promise you're holding on to. I don't know what pain you're experiencing. I don't know any of that. I don't know how long it's gonna last, but I do know that the temporary pain that I'm experiencing, the temporary pain that you're experiencing, you say, temporary, Michael, I've been going through this. I've been dealing with this for years. Well, guess what? When we continue to persevere, when we continue to follow the instructions that God has laid out for us, the eventual promise will be an eternity in heaven with Jesus. And the temporary pain that we're experiencing right now will be nothing compared to eternity. There's some of you guys in here that that are going through something, that answer did nothing to help your current situation whatsoever. You were expecting like this big buildup and then like, yes, but it was like, and it kind of just fizzled out, right? There was no like, big hurrah, let's go out of here, high five each other, right? Go win the world for Jesus. I said, hey, your, your pain you're experiencing, it may go on for the rest of your life. You're like, what is this guy talking about? But don't worry, because it's gonna be all worth it when we get to heaven. You're like, that's not giving me any relief right now. But guess what? Just because it may not have any relief in the moment does not make it any less true. When we were in high school, we had to move a couple times. And for a high schooler, in between, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in your teenage years, but um, if you have ever been in that time between seventh and eighth grade, you know it is one of the more awkward phases that anyone can ever go through, right? That's like the prime awkwardness where people pull up pictures on your 40th birthday, they pull them out of that time frame to be like, look how weird this guy looked, right? Like they make you look like an idiot. Um, and I was no exception to that rule. And so we moved in between my seventh and eighth grade year. We also moved the year uh, before, or the summer before my senior year. It was awesome. Um, And I would complain to my mom. Now this is the same mom who told me that there is nothing worse than a paper cut, so um, take this with a grain of salt. But um, I would complain about why do we have to move? Why, 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 we, we had family we could have stayed with, right? Why did we have to move? And she'd say, Bubba, I don't know why we had to move, but God has a plan. And, and I, would, I would ask her, you know, like I'd go through another week or a month and just hating where we were, and she would say the same thing. God's got a plan. I don't know 
I'm not super happy right now either, but God's got a plan. And as a 17-year-old who'd grown up in church and knew all the Bible Sunday school answers, I knew that was true. So fast forward 16, 17 years later to, to a couple months ago. I just told you what Aubrey and I went through and what we're currently going through, and I had some, some very well-meaning people who I love and respect immensely. And they'd be like, I'm so sorry that you're going through that, but God has a plan. And guess what? Even as someone who has been doing ministry for several years and someone who's, who you think should be mature enough to know and be okay with that answer, it still did not give any relief in the moment. I don't know if you've ever had anyone say, man, I'm so sorry what you're going through, but God's got a plan. And, and you're like, I don't like the plan. You know what? Even when Jesus, hours before he was about to be crucified, he said, if, if this can pass, take it. I don't want it. But not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Persevering through the pain develops a spiritual maturity, develops characteristics that allow us to follow Jesus through thick and thin. And the promise that, that you're holding on to, again, this isn't super high, yay, hurrah message, may not come true. It may, may not happen. I, I hope it does. I pray it does. I pray that what you're, you're hoping for and what you're wishing for, I pray that you're experiencing that sooner rather than later. I pray that you're able to celebrate with friends and family and that you're able to experience the joy here on this earth. I sincerely hope that for each and every one of you. But even if you don't experience that, continuing to persevere and endure through those problems develops in us, and I've said it a few times and I'll say it again, characteristics, abilities that allow us to be complete and mature, not lacking anything. And guess what? If you don't experience that promise that you're believing for here on earth, the Bible tells us that that promise is waiting for you in heaven. In Revelations 21, four, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. All of those things are experienced no more when we endure because that endurance carries us to the eventual, the inevitable promise of an eternity in heaven with Jesus. That may not give you immediate relief. You may not leave here being like, man, I just feel like I have the complete answers. You may leave saying, I never wanna hear that God has a plan again. Guess what, that doesn't make it any less true. Pain births a perseverance, and that perseverance allows us to continue to push through to the eventual promise. And I pray that promise is that tree of life, like it says in Proverbs. I pray that you experience that here on earth. But even if you don't, the pain that we're experiencing now is nothing compared to eternity, where there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more crying or anything like that. All those things are gone forever. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. God, and we live in a world where you told us that we will experience pain. That doesn't make it any easier to go through it. 
doesn't make it any more enjoyable. We know there is a purpose behind that pain, that there is an eventual promise that will become a reality if we endure, continue to put our hope and our trust in you. God, and I pray for, for every person in here, every person watching, God, that no matter what they're going through, God, if life is great right now, I pray that they continue to trust and seek after you, God, if it is painful right now. God, I pray that even if it is difficult, I pray that they seek after you, that they endure through the difficulties because you have a promise waiting for them on the other side. With every head bowed and every eye closed, doing things on our own seems like a really, really great idea until we realize we can't handle it. And there's something missing. We try to do things, we try to push through the pain on our own, and we're like, I can't do it anymore. Guess what, you weren't meant to do it on your own. The answer is right here, and the answer is Jesus. It's not some magical formula. It's not a prayer that you pray once, you're like, I'm good to go. It's a lifestyle, it is a relationship. Maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never, never, never said, hey, I, I want to give my life to him. Maybe you're at that point and you're, you're going through something. You're like, I am tired of this pain. Can I tell you, give it to Jesus? Make that decision today to start that relationship with him. Maybe you've made that decision before and you've stepped away and you're not doing things the way that God wants you to do them and today's the day where you need to come back. If that's you, on the count of three, will you just simply raise your hand? Just let us pray with you. We're not gonna do anything weird. Man, we just wanna pray with you. We just want to, here's it, we want to introduce you to Jesus. My grandmother-in-law introduced me to Aubrey. She didn't hold my hand through the relationship. It was up to me to continue that relationship. We want to introduce you to Jesus and let it be a start of a relationship. If that's you, if you want to start that relationship today, on the count of three, please raise your hand. One, two, three. Is there anyone in here? Yeah, there's one. There's another hand. Yeah, I see you. Anyone else today, you say, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. If you raise your hand, pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and I've missed the mark. But I ask that your forgiveness would come into my life and ask that your grace and your love would change me. I turn away from the life I was living to chase after you with all that I have. I confess you, Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of my life. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate? We had two individuals raise their hand this morning. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.